Well, good morning, everyone. Just as you finish up with your communion, whether you're here in the building or at home, it's um, great to be with you this morning. Been really encouraged the last couple of times we've met together with the messages that we've heard. And I've taken the liberty of framing this in the series called The Gift, which I'm going to be concluding today. Um, If you remember on Christmas Day, Aaron shared with us about the greatest gift ever given. And then last Sunday, Tim shared with us about the necessary gift. Those two messages really got me thinking about what I do with that gift. And so today, we're looking at the response to that gift. Any gift that we're given, we actually need to choose how we respond to it, don't we? I don't know what Christmas morning is like at your house, but sometimes it can be a little rushed, can't it? We have a pile of presents under a tree. We have someone sitting on the floor, maybe with one or two little helpers, and the names on the tags are read out and they're handed out nearly as quickly as they can be read. People are receiving gifts, madly unwrapping them and sticking them on their pile. We don't take the time, do we, to consider um, the value, the importance, the thought that went into that gift necessarily all the time, do we? Sometimes we can skip that and we forget to respond and say thank you. I think as we consider gifts that we receive... There's a couple of questions that we, maybe not intentionally, but maybe somewhere deep in our minds ask ourselves. You know, how much is this gift, what's what's the value of it to me? Is it something that I really wanted? I wonder what it costs the giver. I wonder how much it costs. And what thought actually went into the gift that I have received? Sometimes we can skip that, can't we? We're over, overwhelmed and overcome by the, the um, quantity of gifts coming our way and the speed at which they arrive. We can, we can skip all that. We're more worried about piling them up so we can have our hands ready for the next one. We often skip the consideration and the response. A good way to explain that is like considering if you received... Say a $100 gift card from someone, which is lovely. Mind you, if anyone has a gift card for me, I'm not opposed to gift cards. I quite like choosing my own things. But if someone gave me a $100 gift card and someone gave me a present that they had thought about and they had thought about me and about what I needed or what I liked or what I was interested in, but it might have only cost $30 or $40, Which one actually holds more value to me? Which one is more important? This year, I'll tell you about one gift I got. No, it's not danger. It's good. It was a book. And I thought, I'm I'm pretty good. You know, ask my wife, um, whether it's a birthday or a Christmas, something can be wrapped. It's like, I look at it, size it up. By the time I've picked it up, oh yeah, I know what that is. And I'm pretty good at getting, I've got a pretty high strike rate, so this Christmas, 
Oh, it's a book. Great. Unwrapped it. Um, not a particularly interesting topic to all, but it was a book about American barbecue. You, you, ah, you laugh. I actually recently, recently acquired um, one of those little bullet smoker things. So you can put the charcoal in the bottom and put your meat in and cook it really long and really slow. I've only used it once or twice. But this book is something that someone thought about. They thought about me and what I was interested in. And therein lies the value. It doesn't matter what it costs. Someone actually took the time to think about me and give me a gift that was for me, that suited me. And so as I receive that gift, I receive it with great thankfulness because it means so much more than just the the dollar value of whatever was on the price tag. And in the same way as we consider this greatest gift and this very necessary gift that we have been given by God, we actually need to respond to that as well. Now, as I was considering these last couple of messages over the last few times we've been together, I've been drawn to what might seem an odd passage, but I was drawn to the parable of the sower. What is it that I have received? Let me read it to you. It's found, and due to the magic of television, we might have it on the screen. Look at that. Matthew chapter 13. If you've got your Bibles, I'm reading from the ESV. Matthew 13, verse 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Let he who has ears, let him hear. Now I've read and heard this parable many times over the years. And I don't know whether it's um, because I'm self-righteous or whatever it might be, but I always placed myself in the position of the sower. This passage is all about evangelism. So this is what happens when I share the word with people that some people might respond, some might initially respond and then fall away. Some might not at all, they might take it on board and just get overcome and as we've talked about today, some people that have fallen away and been overcome by the world and yet some might bear fruit. That's what I thought thought it was about. You know, this is um, about evangelism. But the more and more I thought about it this week um, and in the last couple of weeks, I think I had it all wrong. Jesus was um, 
talking to a crowd of people. Now, his disciples, I don't know how many of his disciples were there with him at that time, but when the Bible says great crowds gathered about him, I imagine it was more than just his inner circle. I imagine it would be uh, the local fishermen, the carpenter, the tailor, the bakers, uh, the builders, whoever may have been there, these people were interested and um, they had heard about Jesus and wanted to hear him for themselves. So they were intrigued, um, they were excited, they were gathering around him. And a great crowd of people, this was not a great crowd of Jesus' inner training group. This, is, this wasn't his um, evangelism training seminar that he was running. He was talking to a, a group of this is members of the public. These were people who were, didn't know him or didn't know his word. They were hearing his word for the first time. This parable isn't about the sower. It's about the people who hear the word. And so I started thinking, well, where do I fit into this if I'm not the sower? Well, obviously, I'm one of the people that hear the word. Just like the great crowds that gathered on the beach, they heard what Jesus had to say. Now, they understood the references to sowing, uh, to harvesting and reaping and weeds. They understood all of that. But I don't think Jesus was giving them a model for evangelism. I think he was giving them a model for maturity in Christ. Thankfully, um, as Jesus' disciples were there, he later explained this parable to them. Let's read Matthew 13 again and skip across to verse 18 where Jesus explains this parable. Verse 18, he says, Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. So the explanation of the parable, it doesn't focus on the sower. It focuses on the person who is receiving, the hearer of the word. And we have these four Groups, if you like, or four descriptions um, that we often refer to and think about when we're talking about evangelism. But I want us to take ourselves out of the evangelistic context and place this into a context where this is us personally, each one of us, receiving this great news, this message, the word from God. The first group we have are those who hear the word but do not understand and believe. Then we have those who hear and believe, but when they're faced with trials, they fall away. We have those who hear, but they're deceived by the world. 
And then we have those who hear and produce fruit. I think it's appropriate as we consider these four groups as maybe not so much a box that I fit into once and for all time. I'm not going to say that, you know, I've heard the word, uh, I'm going to sit in the bare fruit box because that sounds like the best one to be in. (laughs) Or I'm going to, you know, I'm probably, yeah, maybe I will sit in with the weeds where the world comes in and takes me a bit, you know. I don't think we fit into one box. I think that these are a series of choices and responses that we have to make on an ongoing basis. Um, as we've already heard today, you know, that fellow who wrote that wonderful song, um, he's been overcome by the world. He needs to make a choice to resist. So as we consider uh, these categories, not so much of, as a box that we fit in, but a response that we need to make on an ongoing basis, and I think we need to make all of them on an ongoing basis. We don't progress through and never have to deal with, um, you know, Category number two ever again, that's done and dealt with and signed off. We work through these things and answer these every single day. The responses that we make as we consider the gift that God has given us to believe, to endure, to resist and to bear fruit. Response number one, to believe. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what's been sown along the path. Now this parable is in, I think, three of the Gospels. And Luke puts that verse this way. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So the key word here and key response that we need to make is to believe. If we hear the word of God and understand it, we make a choice. We make a choice to believe or we make a choice to do nothing and reject. Either way, we've made a choice. But what does it mean to believe or to have faith. If you look at a dictionary definition of what it means to believe, I think it provides some insight. It says to have confidence in the truth, the existence, or the reliability of something, although without absolute proof that one is right in doing so. So even though we don't have absolute proof, we have confidence in the truth and the existence and the reliability of the Word of God and the message, uh, as we consider in this context of the sower, the seed, the Word of God, the message of forgiveness and salvation that's been given to us. So if that's what it means to believe, why do we believe? Now, we have read, uh, I think last week, John 3. Now, it's a very well-known passage, but I want to take it a little bit further than we did last week. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to turn to John three sixteen to 18. Now many of us will know John three sixteen. Some will know 17. Some may know 18. But let's read together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So we must believe, because whoever believes in him will not be condemned. But how do we believe? Now, I think this is something that uh, each of us have to consider and answer ourselves. We're all shaped a little bit differently, aren't we? We all have a different character. Now, my personal belief in assurance is not really based on feelings, you know, everyone knows I'm a real sensitive guy. But I tend to, my brain works a bit more in logic and a bit more in black and white. So when I consider all the evidence that is before me, everything from, um, you know, the, the Roman calendar being the basis for our modern calendars today, based around the birth and death of Jesus, to the Dead Sea Scrolls, all this other evidence that I see leads me to believe that the Bible is true. The Bible is the Word of God. And if I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, what does the Bible say about Jesus? Who he is? What he did and why he did it? And when I consider all those things, my brain ticks over. says, it's true. It has to be true. Is the Bible a conspiracy by the many leaders of the early church over 500 years who had no internet and no communication? No, I don't think so. It's, it's not probable. It's not logical. The Bible has to be the inspired word of God. And I choose to believe it. And as I said earlier, choosing to believe um, or choosing to respond to this word of God, if you respond with silence, you're still choosing a response. So we have the word of God, we, we believe, and the second response we need to make is to endure. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. If you've got your Bibles, let's hit Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, reading from verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So our belief in God, our faith, it's through that faith that we are justified and made right with God. But it's also interesting to know that our sufferings and our tribulations, they have a purpose. As we read here, we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance and endurance character. And character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. I'm just going to quickly flick to James chapter 5. Two verses there. James 5 verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit from the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So how does this fit with Romans 5? I think it gives us another great agricultural example of the time and effort that goes into making something grow. We read in James that the farmer was patient. He waited for the precious fruit of the earth. Now as we consider this in the context of our faith, and the great gift that we have received and our eternal hope and salvation. Is there anything more precious than that? I don't think so. The farmer waited for this. He was patient until it received the early and the late rains. Now, I'm not much of a farmer. The only thing I can seem to grow in my garden is weeds at the moment. Thank the Lord for whippersnippers. But the farmer was patient until his crop received the early and the late rains. So I read that and I think, well, there was a time when the rains were due, which is the plan that we all have, but yet the farmer took what came early and waited patiently for what came late. And we also must be patient in establishing our hearts. As we read in Matthew 13... For what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution comes, he falls away. So as we read Matthew 13 and James 5, being patient, having deep roots, not like the hearer that we read about in Matthew 13 that has no root. We can all be affected, and we all are affected deeply by our circumstances and the things that occur around us. We need to have deep roots so that we're not tossed from wave to wave. And if you feel like you get tossed from wave, everything that comes, now it's this thing, 
and now it's this thing, and now I need to do this, and now I need to do that. Just stop. You can. You can have peace. Get help to get deeper into the Word of God. You need to develop your own route. You can't spend your life hanging on to the bough of somebody else's tree with deep roots in the ground. You need to develop your own roots so that when the storms come, you can be secure in your faith and your relationship with God. The third response we need to make as hearers of the word, as for the seed that was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. What do you think weeds look like in our society today? This is the interactive part where you're allowed to... um... What do you think about weeds? I'll give some tips. Sometimes I think weeds are attractive. They're exciting. Maybe a little bit dangerous. They promise security, but they deliver emptiness. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. We need to resist. Like our friend who wrote that song earlier. Um, We can't think of ourselves better than anybody else. We need to be doing this stuff ourselves every single day. We need to choose to believe and endure and resist. Resist the world and the security of riches for all they say that they can offer us. Because where does our security and our hope come from? It comes from God. Not from the promises of the latest um, iDevice or um, lotto ticket or whatever it might be. Our security and our future and hope comes from God and God alone. Flick over to James chapter 4. Verses 1 to 10. So what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made us to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I think it's interesting when this passage talks about your passions are at war within you. First of all, we have more than one. And I think of, you know, what is my passion to follow and serve God? Yet I also have passions to have a shiny car or um, 
a nice house or go on a great holiday or whatever. We have passions that war within us. And we ask, we ask the Lord for things and he doesn't answer because we seek to serve our own passions, not the ones that he has given us. And this passage finished with a warning to the double-minded. And unfortunately, I don't think that means that we get twice the brain power. I think it's half. When our passions divide us, we are not wholly and solely sold out for God. We're compromised, aren't we, by the world? So we need to resist the world and everything that it tells us we need and put all our eggs in one basket, the Lord's, as our provider. A house divided against itself we know cannot stand. And yet here we are, in 2021 now, operating every day, followers of Christ, but trying to stand on our own two feet. We rely on ourselves so much and call on the Lord when we think we need him. We've got it back in front, haven't we? We need to be all in for God. That he would be leading us and guiding us. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Now we've believed, we've endured, we've resisted. Response number four to this great gift that God has given us. To go and bear fruit. As for what was sown on good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. As I said earlier, what the parable of the sower gives us is a simple pattern for maturity in Christ Jesus. As we have already read in James 5, the farmer toils and waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He was patient, waiting for the early and late rains. This is not something that he wished or thought of to bring to fruition. He worked hard. He toiled. He ploughed and prepared fields, gathered and bought seed, sowed it, tended the weeds. This isn't just something that happens overnight. This is something that he's applied himself to. And this is part of our response in maturity, to bear fruit. Now, Matthew and I didn't ring each other to see what we were going to wear or talk about today. Um, But thanks, Matt, for sharing. This is our toil. This is our part in the process. If we want to bear fruit, we need to be in his word. We need to spend time with him in prayer. And we need to spend time in fellowship so that we can be encouraged, guided and spurred on to greater things in the Lord. So we need to do our part. This isn't something that, as for the farmer, he doesn't wish that his crops would suddenly grow and um, be able to have a great harvest. He has to put in the work, and so do we. So our response to the great gift, the necessary gift, the the gift that we needed because we had no future or hope without it. Now we need to choose to respond today. Are you going to choose to 
to believe, to endure, to resist and bear fruit, or you're going to choose to respond with silence, which in itself is a choice to reject God. My encouragement to you today is choose to respond by believing what the Bible says about Jesus, who he is and what he has done for you. Choose to respond to your trials and persecution with determination and conviction to endure with hope for the future. Choose to resist the promises of the world. Look to God alone for your security, future and hope. And choose to stand up, plant yourselves to bear fruit. Work towards your maturity in Christ. Toil for it as does the farmer. So as we consider Christmas and the many gifts that we've been given and the responses that we bring, let us consider today the greatest gift and what it means to each and every one of us and how we are going to respond to this great gift from our Lord and Saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your Son. We know that through no other means can we, we be reconciled to you. It's through our belief and faith in him that we have a future and hope. Lord, give us the strength and perseverance to endure. Give us the wisdom to resist. And Lord, give us uh, the opportunity and the determination to grow into maturity and bear fruit. Father, we thank you for your great gift and we choose to respond in a way that honours you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.